Shared Future News volunteer Daniel Bennett interviewed John O'Doherty at the Rainbow Project. Topics included LGBT inclusive services, what a shared future means personally and for the LGBT community in Northern Ireland, what we need to develop a shared future, and who provides inspiration for this. This episode is part of our series on Northern Peace Builders, interviews with individuals whose work and efforts contribute to better community relations in Northern Ireland. It is also available as a published article at Shared Future News. For this piece, I spoke to John O'Doherty from the Rainbow Project in Belfast. I asked him a little bit about what they do and what they're doing to work towards a shared future in Northern Ireland. So the Rainbow Project was founded in 1994 by a group of volunteers who were concerned about the spread of HIV and AIDS here in Northern Ireland and that very little specific work was being done to target gay and bisexual men in Northern Ireland uh, at that time to try and prevent that further spread. One of the first things the Rainbow Project did was working with health and social care trusts um, and we got some funding to do outreach for gay and bisexual men to bars and clubs and different venues to distribute safer sex materials and a safer sex message, trying to prevent that further spread. That was really where the Rainbow Project formed and founded. In those early days, we started to identify the riskier activity gay and bisexual men were engaging in. Now, the sex that some gay and bisexual men choose to have is in itself automatically a higher risk uh, sexual activity. And that's why we needed that specific emphasis on that group. Now, in the early days, the Rainbow Project started to identify that there were some reasons why gay and bisexual men were choosing to have unprotected sex. But there were also other reasons for gay and bisexual men who didn't necessarily want to engage in that higher risk activity, uh, but didn't have the confidence, didn't have the self-esteem to be able to negotiate the type of sex that they were having. They didn't have access to materials. And indeed, for many, they were living very fearful lives uh, when engaging in sexual activity or relationships with other people. So we started to identify a real mental health need amongst gay and bisexual men here in Northern Ireland, indeed further afield, to help them to negotiate the type of sex that they want, to be able to have healthy relationships and recognise what a healthy relationship was, but also trying to combat some of the homophobia that they had experienced in their lives, whether that was in school, and we still see a lot of that today, whether that was from their family members, or whether it was just general levels of homophobia that existed in society. We could see the impact that that was having on their health and well being on their emotional health and well-being, in their ability to accept themselves and address uh, any internalised issues or internalised homophobia, as we will call it, um, and the difficulty to feel part of a community, particularly here in Belfast in the early 90s, where you still had the troubles ongoing, while we were moving towards peacetime, it was still a difficult time and there was still a history of difficulty for LGBT people. From there, we developed Northern Ireland's first co-cultural gay affirmative peripatetic counselling service, which is a lot of words to basically mean our counselling is delivered by, at that time, gay and bisexual men. And the only people we worked with were gay and bisexual men or those who were questioning their sexual orientation. The peripatetic nature of what we did was rather than expecting people to always come to us, we aimed to outreach into different communities to make our services as, as accessible as possible. 
Now from there we started to develop a range of services. Hate crime was a big area of work for me whenever I started the Rainbow Project. And we started to identify reasons why people weren't reporting to the police, the type of experiences that LGBT people had when trying to report to the police. And from there we developed Northern Ireland's first advocacy service for LGBT people. So that was for victims of homophobic and transphobic hate crimes and those LGBT people um, experiencing homelessness here in Northern Ireland. We developed a range of services over those years, particularly targeting gay and bisexual men. But often, as you find within the community voluntary sector, if we create an infrastructure for one, that infrastructure can work for more than one. And what we started to notice was that a lot of our services, whether it was advocacy, whether it was the training that we were delivering, we were representing and working with more LGBT people in the broad LGBT spectrum rather than just gay and bisexual men. And we noted ourselves that there was a lot of good work that we could be doing that we didn't felt was currently being delivered uh, but also that we should be reflective of the full body of work that we were delivering and in 2013 the Rainbow Project's Board of Trustees alongside staff and volunteers took the decision to bring the organisation away from being again bisexual men specific organisation to wholly inclusive LGBT organisation. So over the last four years, we've been moving forward on that agenda. We've been training our staff. We've been engaging with women-specific organizations, trans-specific organizations. We've been redeveloping our services, engaging with our users and engaging with our community to identify what that need is and how the Rainbow Project can best work to meet that need. We're really pleased today that we provide services on an LGBT-inclusive basis. We wouldn't like to say that we completed our journey in going LGBT because we still think that we, along with everyone else, have a lot to learn, particularly when we look at trans communities in such a new and emerging community when the understanding of trans issues in 2017 is very different than the understanding you would have got in 2013. So there's definitely an increasing understanding of the difficulties around the medical model mm -hmm. in the social acceptance of trans issues and indeed even the cultural barriers that can exist between trans people and lesbian, gay and bisexual people as well as differing groups of people with um, differing needs but a shared experience and hopefully a shared identity as well. Yeah. It's it's interesting to note about the this idea of a shared history that uh, you've you've mentioned, um, and I was thinking, looking forward, what do you think the term shared future means to both you personally, and what do you think it means to the LGBT community as a whole? For me personally, I think it's about creating a truly shared society and just sharing this small part of the world that we all have together and moving away from this culture war that we have uh, into a more shared understanding of where we're each coming from and what our lived experiences are. So I grew up in Mahara in County Derry, a very small town, mainly nationalist or Catholic. Uh, and I grew up in very much a single identity community. I went to a single identity school. I came from a single identity family. Uh, but you pick up things from your housing estate. You pick up things from your friends. I remember uh, when I was very young in the early 90s, uh, hearing about someone have been, having been killed. And I remember my first question being, was it one of ours or one of theirs? Now, the thought of asking that question today, sitting here in front of you as me, uh, seems monstrous. 
but to me as a child, this seemed like a very normal, standard idea. And what you find today is young people still growing up in single identity communities, going to single identity schools, if they're lucky and have the opportunity to go to university or to work in an open workplace, that they may get a chance to properly get to know someone who has grown up culturally, religiously, whatever way you want to look at it, different than them. But in reality, we are all white, European, Irish, UK, English speaking, you know, the, the things that unite us when we look at what difference looks like across the world, there's very little that um, separates us here in Northern Ireland. So for me personally, I think sharing our identity, sharing our history and sharing this space uh, is important and being able to recognise and celebrate the diversity that exists beyond just Catholic and Protestant in Northern Ireland but the widest level of our diversity and stop seeing difference as something to be afraid of or something that, that someone else's identity somehow puts your identity at risk. I think when we look specifically at the LGBT community, it's not really much different than that. I would hate to see the LGBT community in Northern Ireland being whitewashed into something that it isn't. Uh, we have a wonderful culture. We have a very interesting and difficult history for LGBT people here in Northern Ireland and a lived experience that needs to be understood to understand how to uh, make our society more inclusive. And I would hate to see that loss, but I also want to see the full participation of LGBT people in society here in Northern Ireland and that their uh, impact and input is something that can be celebrated uh, rather than being viewed simply by the small aspects of who we are or what we may choose to do that other people are opposed to. To successfully realise a shared future then, what do you think we need to do? What steps need to be taken? I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily put anything in order because uh, I think that's very difficult to do. Um, it's kind of a cart and horse scenario, but I think we have to make that environment of sharing easier for the next generation than it has been for the generations that come before. we got to stop putting the pressure of the past onto the young people of tomorrow. We need to stop separating them and telling them that there is some form of difference between who they are. Uh, I think we need to learn to celebrate diversity. We need to celebrate the differences that exist within our society and within among our people. So I think certainly truth is a big aspect of Northern Ireland being able to move forward. I think until we understand what happened here, who the players were, the impact that those players had, it's going to be very hard for us to move forward. Uh, and until we get to the point of being able to share and own our history as a shared people, I think we're going to find it very difficult to move to a post-conflict environment. Is there a person or people or a group of people, maybe, that you find as inspirational in terms of a shared future? That's a big question. Uh, I mean, I think I, I find LGBT people particularly inspirational when it comes to a shared society. Um, our community has always existed in Northern Ireland in one shape or another, at least for the last hundred years. 
Uh, and throughout that time, there has never really been that level of division, even through the worst days of the Troubles. There was never the, are you a Catholic or a Protestant? You can't come here. This is the Catholic gay bar. This is the Catholic gay event. This is Catholic pride. That doesn't exist within the LGBT community. And I think part of that is that we have a shared identity, a shared identity that um, in often cases comes before the other identities that exist here in Northern Ireland. And I think here in Northern Ireland, if we were able to be Irish or Northern Irish or British or whatever as a shared identity, or if we were able to just share our history, have a shared identity that unites us, not necessarily against anyone, but unites us as a people, uh, I think it would make a, a huge difference in how we view each other and how we view the other people who have engaged with the difficult, troubled past of this part of the world. Beyond that, I think there are huge numbers of wonderful people here in Northern Ireland, of wonderful peacemakers, going right back to the times of Hume and Trimble, uh, I think things that a lot of what Mark McGuinness had done was truly inspirational. I think Ian Paisley, uh, in the later stages of his life, done some real amazing outreach to nationalists and in particular to Sinn Féin. I think Ian Paisley Jr. has come on a, a tremendous journey. So I, I think there are huge numbers of people and many of them are well known because of their role in, in politics past, present. Uh, but I think there are too many to mention who are trying to do their own little bit to make this part of the world different. Senator Wilson, his daughter died in the Enniskillen bomb and he went on to form the Spirit of Enniskillen Trust after the bomb. He came out openly and said that he holds no hatred in his heart to the people who carried out that atrocity. I think the capacity of someone like that who, to go through that experience and to use it to positively shape our society, I don't think you could ever measure the impact or difference that an individual like that has or could actually have in our society. As John detailed, achieving a shared future is easier said than done. However, the Rainbow Project, alongside many others, is working tirelessly to realise this shared goal.